Welcome to episode 215 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to preview the 2022 French Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have sports writer Owain Medford. Hello. Tom Downey from Everything F1. Hello. And Philip Matthew from Grip Strip Podcast. Hello. First, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go in our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So the big news this week, Owain, was that former race director Michael Massey has left the FIA seven months after that incident in Abu Dhabi. He was appointed race director in 2019 after the passing of Charlie Whiting and held the mantle until earlier this year as a result of the inquest into the Abu Dhabi incident. Um, But what legacy does Massey leave behind? Or is it just going to be about the mishandled title decider? Um, I don't think it's entirely about the mishandled title decider. To be honest with you, I think we've seen that switch from a fun sort of um, policing of racing to actually move more towards um, the, you know this let them race sort of uh, outlook that they seem to have, um, and that sort of precipitated numerous things. Bearing in mind the uh, you know you know leading into this season, so that's been growing over the last few years. Um, however, I don't think I don't think Michael Massey was maybe the best guy for the job um, as a single person. I think obviously we have to take into account that Charlie Whiting was. Um, you know, sort of formidable. Um, not as not to say he was uh, unapproachable or anything like that, but just um, brilliant at what he did and sort of shaped that position from the ground up. I think that's a that's difficult shoes to fill um, if if you're anyone but him. So I think maybe there's a few missteps on the FAA's part um, in trying to replace uh, such a such a brilliant figure um, with one person. Um, you know, maybe the only person that I'd suggest would be sort of Eduardo Freitas or someone like that, someone who's um, You've got that similar amount of, you know, being, you know, firm but fair. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think honestly, um, you know, Michael Massey, d- d- as much as it, his reputation will be tarred, I think, with, but with what happened, um, he's still um, shaped the way that Formula One will go forward um, in how and how we race and how the, and how the F1 dri- uh, the drivers are allowed to race. So um, I think there's a mark made there, and um, potentially that's a good thing. Um, Essentially, it's not. I think either way, it is a thing that's happened. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we should also mention that today is the seventh anniversary of the passing of the late Jules Bianchi. Tom, it was, of course, his accident in Japan in 2014 that triggered the introduction of the Halo safety device, which we've seen over the last few years, has had a real impact in saving the lives of drivers in this sport. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I, I can't believe it's been seven years since Jules passed and it's been, you know, it's, it's coming up to eight years of his accident because obviously it was, I think, the October of 2014. Um, but yeah, the, um, yeah, Jules' accident, it was, it was the final sort of catalyst in the FIA saying we need to do something about corporate protection. And I think it's safe to say, certainly in my humble opinion, for whatever it's worth, that the halo is an absolute no-brainer and anybody who thinks it shouldn't be there needs their head checks because you, we we have had four instances that I can think of off the top of my head in F1 where the halo has had a direct impact on driver safety. It's 2018, Belgium. 
there was 2021 Max and Lewis in Monza. Also, we had Guan Yu Zhou, and I said there before, and I can't remember for the life of me what the fourth one was. That's how good my brain is in this heat. Um, but but you know, the, you know, there have been you know, the, uh, you know, there have been several incidents. And with, with Halo, not just in F1, but also in you know, some of the junior series, you only have to look at um, the Dennis Hauger and Roy Nassani crash from Silverstone. The way that car, the way um, Hauger's car flew at the top of Nassani's, the Halo wasn't there. Yeah, you know, doesn't bear thinking about. Um, so yeah, the, the the Halo is 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 an absolute is, is an absolute necessity. It's. When I saw it being tested, because I remember in, I think it was 2016, Red Bull were testing things like the aero screen. I'm sure it was Red Bull were testing that. Um, and then you saw a couple of the 2016 cars with the halo on it. Um, I've got to be honest, when I look at a 2017 car, because obviously 2017 is when we had that initial regulation change, where the cars became wider and lower and, and thick, as the kids say, um, you know, with two seats. Um you know, because obviously 2017 didn't have the halo, but then 2018 through to incumbent, we have the halo. So obviously 2018, 19, 20, 21 all had the halo, but they were all that same style of car, you know, big, you know, big wide rear tyres, big wings, all the rest of it. If I look at a 2017 car, to me, it looks weird because I'm so used to seeing the 2018 to 2021 style cars, which are more or less the same. Um with the halo on it, to me, it looks bare without it. And then when you look at um, when you look at accidents in in sort of years gone by as well, it makes you wonder that if the halo would have been there, you know, would we have had a different outcome? Um, oh, I'll tell you the other halo blinking accident: Roman Grosjean, second year, twenty twenty, when he went to the barrier. Duh. Um, you know, biggest accident I've ever seen in F one, arguably. Um, yeah, but but you know, I will tell you where this all starts. For me, there are two accidents that spring to mind that really kickstarted the halo, and I'm getting to a point, I promise. Um, there is Felipe Massa in 2000, I think it's 2009 in Hungary, where the spring flew out the back of, I'm sure it was Ruben Bar- uh, Rubens Barrichello's brawn, which we all know smacked him in the head, unconscious into, yeah, we all know that happened. But the lesser known one is John's, uh, is Henry Surtees, John Surtees' grandson, who in a, um, uh, who was, Oh God! Racing, possibly Formula Four, I think might have been Brands Hatch. I can't remember, but it was it was it was a regional Formula thing, and and there was an accident in front of him. The wheel came, you know, there was an accident in front of him. The wheel bounced off because this was before I think before we had wheel tethers. The wheel bounced off, hit him in the head, killed him before he'd even hit the barrier. So that's where I think that's where safety has come so far, even in the last decade. And the halo is, for one of a better, this is not a terrible pun, but it is the halo of all the safety features and that's that's not a terrible pun but you know it, it yeah it's uh, yeah it, it's it's just it's, it's an absolute blessing yeah hopefully we never have to say goodbye to the halo um to make a better pun than that um <laughs> and i'm not gonna deny that um so let's move on then uh so this weekend Charles Leclerc will be hoping for a bit of deja vu as he aims to win in france for the second race running to keep his chances in the title fight alive but after verstappen won here last time out the Dutchman will be hoping for a repeat of history. Phil, it's Red Bull leading the way in the constructors at the minute, and Max Verstappen has a healthy lead of 38 points back to Leclerc. What do you make of their chances at Paul Ricard? I mean, coming off of the British Grand Prix, 
the last race in the issue, or I mean, Austrian Grand Prix. Sorry, when am I going back? Yeah, so the Austrian Grand Prix where um, Max was off a little bit. Uh, I think he's going to want to come back out and reassert his dominance. Uh, and I figure the car, they have the fastest car. This circuit is going to be an interesting test for where the development has gone, how, what everybody is bringing into the table. Certain teams are bringing their only, which we're going to talk about later, one team in particular bringing their only upgrade of the year there. So it's it's going to be a good litmus test for for Red Bull, um, you know, for Max or stop. And, of course, it's really about consolidation when you're not able to win, finishing second, third, and just accumulating points is what he needs to do. That's how he's going to win the championship uh, instead of climbing on other cars. Um, in this case, uh, Leclerc and him, uh, he's he really doesn't have to do as much. He just has to manage his own situation. JP and him have to get the car right, and he should be the favorite. I, I mean, he will be the favorite until, you know, something weird, unless something weird happens. He's, he's the favorite this coming weekend. They have the best car. They had a weird off weekend at one of his better tracks at his home track. But I figure he'll come back on strong. Um, his teammate, of course, you know, it's been a rough go after winning Monaco for Sergio Perez, but it's not all, uh, his doing. So we'll see what the second car can do, um, as they come along. But I think for uh, Red Bull Ruby, I think it's really Max Verstappen's going to go out there and, uh, do what he has done previously at Paul Ricard, which is win. Yeah, and Wayne, last time out in Austria, Perez DNF'd after just 24 laps due to the damage he sustained on the lap one collision with Russell. How keen will he be to make it to the end of the race? I mean, very. I mean, it's uh, it's it's, a, it's one of those things where you know you lose, particularly with the with the way the car is being, you lose at least um, 10 to 12 points, uh, and that's as, as much as Ferrari is, yeah, uh, 56 points away, and that's. You know they they can they can bring that sort of down to um, two thirds of you know they can bring that, that deficit down by two thirds. Um, it's still not one of the things where you want you want to be uh, getting in melees and getting in uh, into damage and having to retire the car. Um, that might serve in, in good stead in some ways, um, potentially with the sort of lesser used engine, um, particularly at a place where the the engine's having to work extra hard. Um, certain, certain components of it um, to keep up uh, in Austria, so. Um, Obviously, that's a completely different challenge at Paul Ricard. But um, you know, as much as those benefits, they, they, you know, Red Bull Racing still wants the points. This uh, this championship is no um, nowhere near wrapped up uh, in the constructors, um, and you always want to have um, a second driver to support um, support Max Verstappen. I think Max Verstappen is clearly the person who's going to go for the title in Red Bull, and I think that's up for any debate. Um, and as much as yeah, he's got a thirty, he's got a thirty-eight point lead. Over Leclerc again, you you want to steal points away from your uh, from your rivals wherever you can. If that means uh, getting a one-two, which is obviously the uh, the ideal um, scenario, particularly at Leclerc's um, sort of quasi home race, um, it's only a f- short trip down the coast. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's you, you want to do that at, at every opportunity. So um, he'll he'll obviously be highly motivated to uh, to to put 
his uh, to put his Red Bull in in, in the top four again, preferably uh, preferably uh, with a win or uh, a number two. Absolutely. So, Tom, the Ferraris struggled here last season, but they have a much improved package for 2022. Uh, how do you think Leclerc will manage? Um, to be honest, I think if uh, you know if if this season is anything to go by, Leclerc is going to qualify on pole and then either DNS or DNF with an engine blow up, and Max is going to take the win. Um, it's also not entirely fair to compare the Ferrari of last year to this year because obviously you know, we've had a enormous regulation change and Ferrari were picking up the pieces last year, whereas this year they are, you know, they are very much one of the ones to beat. And, you know, but like like, um, Owen said, this is basically a second home race for, uh, but for Leclerc. Um, With Ferrari, one thing I'm getting a bit concerned about with them now, bearing in mind I'm not a Ferrari fan, uh, I, I do like Carlos Sainz, not so fast on Leclerc, if I'm honest, don't hate me. Um, is Are they turning into a bit of the Mercedes of 2016? Because we've started to see a bit of friction done on track. You know, we saw it at Silverstone and then, you know, we heard Carlos of Radio Race saying, don't, you know, he says him like, don't invent situations or something to that effect. And, and, uh, and you know, he's a... Uh, you know, they were battling very much at Austria. I wonder if it may begin to boil over at some point. I don't think it will in France. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think they'll be all right. I think Leclerc will probably hold enough of a gap to Sainz because, in my opinion, he's that step up. You know, Sainz is good, but Leclerc is different gravy. Um, you know, much, much like sort of, um, much like Max and um, Russell and Norris, I'd say. Uh, if if reports are to be believed that Ferrari have effectively sort of not counted out, but but have found, found that straight line speed that they were somewhat missing, which I think we did see in Austria as well. To be fair, because obviously that is that is basically a load of straights with a couple of right hand apart from the middle section. Um, so I'm very curious to see how we're going to get on coming out of turn. I don't know what turn it is, but when you come out the sort of squiggly first sector. Onto the onto the onto that back straight, it's going to be very interesting to see, especially with DRS, which car will be quicker down that straight. Whether it's going to be you know, whether it's going to be the Red Bull or the Ferrari. Me being me, I'd probably still put my money on the Red Bull. It's a good thing my bank account's pretty empty at the minute. Um, but um, but the, but the Ferrari, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to be within a couple of kph down that straight. Especially if they get perhaps a gust of wind, or if the temperature sits right, so if they fire up the tyres, well, or if they get a good exit out of, I think it's like two, six, two, and seven. I don't quite, I can't remember to be honest. Um, but yeah, you know, they they've got the potential to go really well this weekend, and it's going to be an intriguing battle. Yes, it will be. And Phil, Sainz's engine blew up quite spectacularly in Austria. I mean, we've all seen the images of the flames. Do you think Ferrari will want to use up an entirely new power unit for him, considering um, there's a potential for grid penalties? Or do you think they might recycle some older parts, but then you've also then got to consider the poor reliability that their engines have had this season? I mean, uh, it's it's a good point you make there, Ruby, with them making the choice to do grid penalties. It's a strategy that every team is going to have to to think about obviously as the year goes on uh, the three components for the vast majority of 
the power unit is probably not enough. Um, and when you have an epic uh, explosion like uh, uh, Carlos Sainz did and his well-done Ferrari uh, at Austria, you're going to need to think about it. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, I think with the Tom brought it up with the speed, uh, the straight line speed improvements that they have made. I think that with that, plus the fact that Carlos is shown that he can overtake relatively well, um, do you take the do you take the risk now and go for the engine penalties? Obviously, you're not going to do it at Hungary the following week. If you have a fresh fresh components, you could take a little more worn out components go to Hungary it probably wouldn't be as big of a deal um I don't I think it would be a good strategy call for them to do that um he is in the race for second in the points they are still contending Owen brought that up too where they're still in this I mean it doesn't seem all that feasible unless you know stuff really starts going wrong for Red Bull but you know Ferrari had the better car at the last race, they had a one-two likely. They were stepping on each other the previous race, but still they had a good cars there too. So I think if Ferrari is trying to look forward towards the end of the season, it's probably good to make the sacrifice now at Paul Ricard where they have multiple DRS zones. It's super wide um, places to pass. Um, give Carlos a chance and maybe he can... Uh, they can manipulate the race, you know, coming from the back versus um, having to worry about reliability and possibly another DNF, which would further um, affect their situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wayne, Lewis made it three podiums in three races in Austria, and with Russell's P3 in Baku, that's four in four for Mercedes. We've seen the Silver Arrows claw back a lot of pace over the last few rounds, and historically they have gone well around this circuit. Do you think it could be consecutive podium number four for Lewis or possibly something greater even? Um, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, the Mercedes have made big steps, um, you know, to the point where they can actually start to develop the car, which is great. Um, I still think they're, you know, a tenth, you know, a couple of tenths, maybe three, maybe three um, off Ferrari and Red Bull. And I think quite a lot of the time they are profiting off, um, you know, other DNFs in front of them or, you know, or reliability issues that, quite frankly, they just don't seem to have um, right now. Um, you know, they, can, they seem like they were, they're making the best of what was a very bad situation. Um, but I, I can, as you say, I can kind of see um, there being sort of, um, yeah, I can, I can see there being uh, kind of sort of opportunities for them, basically. Um you know, obviously they struggle on a tire wall and there's a and and Paul Ricard I think is a low get leg circuit I think with the sort of type of asphalt users and things like that um and I think that could almost you know it depends it, it obviously there's the heat right now um is, is playing on my mind a little bit but uh, I think that I could I, I think there could also be uh, advantages for them you know we saw that um the staff couldn't really fight for the win um just due to heat and degradation uh, in um uh, in Austria and you know we could have a similar thing happening here. Obviously, it'd be, it'd be less so um, because there aren't so many uh, not so many high speed corners uh, for Ricard, um, for the most part, I would say. But um, you know that that heat could sort of 
you know, if, the, if there's high ambient heat, um, I know I've noticed there's some reports of very, very high temperatures uh, across mainland Europe. Um, so that could that could bring it to Mercedes um, having that that sort of um, again, it's a difficulty for firing the tires up, but there are times when it does it will benefit you maybe like maybe uh, like them. Um, again, there's going to be sort of upgrades and tunes. I think that the Mercedes team are uh, understanding that car more and more every every week. So um, I do see it. Yeah, I, I could see, I can see them getting a podium quite easily. Um, you know, maybe getting up to the sort of second or all if they're very lucky. I think first. Yeah, and similarly, Tom, George Russell's had to fight tooth and nail to finish P4 last time out after being right at the back on that one. Mr. Consistent, as he's been dubbed, has finished in the top five for every race that he's finished this season. Do you think it's likely to continue? Um, I th- for, for a top five finish, I'd say it's definitely a possibility, especially as the mood does seem to be getting a bit stronger this year. Um, you know, Russell has had an element of or, or you know, perhaps a couple of strokes of luck with with some of his high place finishes. But but as I seem to say quite consistently on this show, you play the hand that you dealt in F one. And if someone says to you, "Sir, would you like a P three?" You don't go, "No, nah, it's all right, fam. I'll stick with my P 5 You know, you you take it. Um, I I think I think Russell's definitely got got the he's definitely got the speed and the. That sort of consistency, as he is, as you said, Ruth, he is known as Mister Consistent this year, or Mister Consistency even. Um, and obviously, if it wouldn't have been for you know that that crash in uh, in Silverstone, you know, he, he may well have kept that record going. It does feel a bit like that record is on borrowed time, um, but like like we said, the Merc is improving this year. You know, they seem to have got their heads in this year around the porpoising, which. Which you could say reared its head at its worst in Azerbaijan, and ever since then it seems to become a little bit better. As Mercedes seems to be understanding the car a bit more, um, which, which, which again, you know, massive regulation change. You, you know, you know, they had to put so much into the tail end of last year because when they realised that like Hamilton had a really damn good chance at his title, you know, you know, they obviously you know focus resources all the rest of it. Um, so, so yeah, you know, he he could do. Um, Top five, yes. Podium, not as likely. Provided, um, you know, you know, provided science doesn't try and have another barbecue on the back of his car or something. Um, I think, I think on on merit, probably not on the podium, but in the top five, yeah. Um, but if uh, you know, if if one of the rebels or the um, or the Ferraris overheats or conks out or does. You, you know, does spinala things then? Put then quite possibly. Yeah, does spinala things? Uh, Phil uh, McLaren were another team that showed good pace here in 2021. Obviously, they've had a bit of a misstep with their 22 runner, but every now and then there is pace in that car. Uh, would your money be on Lando or Daniel to be the one who brings it home in the points? Uh, Lando, uh, that's yeah. Um, it- I think if you're we're talking more about who's going to be um, driving the second car these days, and they are talking about the fact that Lando usually scores points when they give him something to work with. Um, I'm curious to see what their practice pace will be uh, this coming weekend. Um, there have been we- races where they've been completely in the weeds in qualifying, and then there's other races where they're up there in the top 10. 
Uh, Lando is uh, their lead driver, of course, and I think he's going to continue the momentum that he has had. Um, it isn't as good of a car, obviously, as the last couple of years. Um, the point you made, Rubes, with how their car isn't as good, but now they are in a heads-up battle with Alpine. Alpine going to their home race. Uh, they have a lot of, it seems like they're on a lot of momentum, good momentum. Uh, so it's time to respond, get through these next two races. They're going to have the break. Um, you know, give yourself a chance and maybe get a few points ahead. Uh, Hungary was a great race for Alpine the last uh, last year. So this is a, an opportunity in one sense, and it's also a place where you kind of have to stem the tide. Um, I think Lando does that uh, this weekend. Um, fringe, very, very fringe on a top five, probably around sixth to eighth is probably somewhere around there. So probably we'll just go with the right in the middle. We'll say he'll finish seventh uh, on Sunday after he gets in a Q3 on the back end. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And Owain, um Phil touched on this a little bit. After last weekend, Esteban Ocon's P5 brought Alpine level with McLaren in the constructors. French team, French driver with momentum. Is it going to be a good weekend for Ocon? I think it may well be. I think yeah, yeah, the Alpine sort of suits the card quite well um, in its characteristics. But also, like you say, they are level now on, on constructors' points with Alpine. Um, no, sorry, not with McLaren, sorry. Um, you know, a little bit further away in the, in the drivers for, for both drivers. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's really sort of, it's looking like um, Alpine has the measure uh, and is and, and is really sort of climbing their way up. And I think we said that, the, I'm sure we said that this was threatening to happen um, where McLaren was really not making the points that it should. Um, whereas Alpine, with the good, you know, good finishes of Ocon and, uh, and obviously the work of Fernando Alonso, you know, is bringing them up. And again, it's one of those things you can see happening where, um, you know, all you have to have is a couple of incidents. I think it's less likely, obviously, at Paul Ricard, uh, bearing in mind that the uh, barriers are about five miles away from the circuit. Um, but, you know, you can still have reliability issues and stuff in front. And uh, and, and that could, you know, a couple of decent sort of fluky results um, from both drivers could could start putting them ahead. And and I kind of don't see the... the McLaren going forward as much um, they don't seem to have it have, have the performance um, in them and, and as I said before um, the Alpine just looks kind of like it it, it should suit this kind of circuit um, which I think is going to be you know obviously it's going to be a big help um, so yeah I can absolutely see them um, up on getting a good result and uh, and with that taking the taking the lead and the constructors um, away from McLaren uh, in that sort of best of the rest position. Yeah, you are right about the barriers in um, Paul Ricard being quite far away. Like the circuits in France, but the barriers are in Spain, Germany, Portugal, even, um, you know, it's, it's a dream come true for Carlos Sainz who earlier couldn't avoid the gravel. Now he can't hit the barriers at all. Um, but Tom, uh, Fernando just about scraped his way into the top 10 last time out after some dodgy strategy calls from the team. Uh, will he have had words with the mechanics? And do you think Alonso will be focusing on making a good recovery? Uh, I think we all know Alonso will have had words in Alonso's very unique style. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't think that's even remotely in question. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I mean, Alonso has probably had one of his unluckiest seasons. Um, yeah, definitely going GP2, as you just said. Um, yeah, no, um, you know, I, I, funny if I was watching, I think as a video from the race earlier, they were saying that he's lost roughly 50 odd points from you know, the poor strategy or, or whatever. Um, but he's still got it, and you know, and and and, and you know, you know, French, French team at a, at a French circuit. And Alonso is adored by the Alpine come Renault crowd anyway, you know, because you know, obviously, you know, this is his what third stint with the Enstone based team. Um, and you know, obviously, he won his two titles with them. Um, and then he moved to McLaren in 2007. That went well. Um, you know, so, um, you know, so they, they do like him there, to be fair. Uh, maybe he'll put on a bit of, well, the fact that it's Alonso, we know he's going to put on a bit of a show, you know, you know whether it's, you know, perhaps. Doing a bit of late breaking into turn one or something, or, or you know, or the first sort of like the first sort of like tight corner. You, you just know he's just gonna do something like he's just gonna hang it around the outside, or he's just gonna squeeze someone here or there, or he's gonna, or he's gonna, he's just gonna do something which is just gonna be, you know, you know, but you're gonna look at it and 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 you and you're gonna go, I hate you for that, but I also love you for that. It's like when he was. It's like when if. In uh, Sochi last year, when he um, when he just blatantly just straight on went around the escape route, it's just like it's just Alonso doing Alonso things. It's like you know he's going to do something like that this weekend, you know, especially at his team's home race. Um, yeah, it's just uh, if if his car can keep it together, hopefully the issue that Ocon had in. Um, uh, in Silverstone, I keep thinking Silverstone and Austria with, with with the other way around because I'm so used to them being the other way around. Um, but hopefully, whatever issue that that Alpine had, then I think it was a fuel pump issue. I may be wrong. Hopefully, that was just a one-off in the back of Wacom's car, and hopefully that that's not going to rear its head again, or, or you know, hopefully they've mitigated that or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm just looking forward to the Alonso show, um, as I saw most people are. Hashtag just Alonso things. Phil, no points for the Alphas last time out, despite their strong start to the season. It does look like they're starting to slump back somewhat. Are points for Bottas or Joe likely? Yeah, it's. I think it's possible. Uh, I, whether they're likely, I wouldn't go out that. I wouldn't want to go out on that limb. I'd need a lot more support, um, definitely, um, based on my body type, anyway. But Still, uh, Botas has had a rough few races, been on and off. Of course, Joe, we remember Silverstone, and I think the you know the coming back after that, you, you probably wasn't at a hundred percent, and then the car isn't there either. So you've had a break, can go and reset. He's been on a upward trajectory in regards to his progress. It's a circuit thing. A lot of these cars, especially in the midfield and beyond, it's a circuit-based thing on whether they're going to be able to show out. And um, Botas has they they're kind of in that same boat where there are circuits where they'll qualify really well and have a chance, and there's other circuits that isn't suited to them. I think they're fringe contenders for um, Q3, but definitely Q2. They are fringe contenders for points, depending on how 
you know, how uh, cars, if certain cars fail. Um, but I think Botas will be, you know, leading again and a going to Hungary the following week. I think he wants to build up good momentum because that's one of his better circuits too. Um, Joe, I think, has done relatively well in his um, lower formula career at these two circuits. So I think opportunity is there. Um, will the reliability and the car meet that? Uh, that's the real question. I'm, I'm not certain uh, that they will, but the possibility is there because they've been up there when they've had the chances. Yeah, they certainly have. Oh, Wayne, the Haas cars enjoyed their best race of the season in Austria, where all weekend long they showed genuine pace, and we got to see post-points Mick Schumacher tussling away with Lewis Hamilton in the sprint. Do you think this can continue in France? Um, I don't see any reason why not. Um, I, think, I think it kind of depends um, on sort of the um, upgrades that are brought to the car, uh, to other cars. Um, it's sort of reports that they're... Uh, their planned upgrade package has been delayed to, uh, to the Hungarian Grand Prix, so we won't see that um, this weekend. Um, uh, so from them, it's, uh, it's it's looking like a you know it's still on that car that uh, that they had at the start of the season, which is kind of remarkable in some ways. Um, um, but I, I don't see I don't see why not. Um, I, I, you know, the, the the circuit is sort of it's very Silverstone esque. Um, and they and I think they went well there. Um, you know, it's it, it, it sort of looks like they've they've at least understand the car well enough, or, or or so well. You know, they're not making changes to it, so I think that obviously they get a massive understanding of the car in that way. Um, we can't weekend after weekend, and the the drivers look confident in it. Um, you know, they know they, they seem to know how to set up to get the best out of it, um, and they really are picking up points after points. So, you know, we've got a scenario where. You know, Schumacher has more points than you know drivers who have had uh, much more up, up an of an opportunity to get into into said points um, over the uh, over the year so far. You know, drivers like Sonoda and uh, you know people like that. So you know, I think I think they really are sort of getting a handle on it, and uh, and they seem to have you know a good working relationship that's uh, and, and and sort of like a bit of mojo almost. Um, so yeah, I, I can really see them tussling for points. Uh, and, and causing troubles for some of the teams that you know have better budgets or, or you know arguably better drivers, um, you know. And so I think it's uh, I think it's well with uh, well on the yeah well within the realms of possibility, and, and it's on the cards. And I, I, to be honest, I'd quite like to see it. The Haston Powers Mojo. I gave it a go. Uh, Tom, after being involved, swiftly moving on, uh, in a number of first lap incidents uh, this season, the Alpha Tauri's Pierre Gasly will be hoping for a quiet home race this weekend, don't you think? Uh, yeah, you'd hope so. You know, he's uh, he's not quite hit the heights that he hit last year, whether it's the car, whether it's him, or you know, whether it's all the shenanigans over the second Red Bull seat, the, you know, with... You know, Helen Marcus basically said Nafan Martin or something. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, the, may, yeah, um, hopefully Darcy will, will have a sort of error stream free weekend. He just needs it, he needs what Sonoda needed last year, where he needs a couple of weekends of solid but not spectacular, just under the radar, just you know, just a decent quality, decent race. Don't get involved in any shenanigans, you know, don't you. you don't have any pranks, just do your strategy, bring it home, 
Um, you know, because he, he, he was doing well at the start of the season. You know, he had, you know, he held up Hamilton for however many laps in Imola, um, you know, which is no easy feat when you've got the likes of Lewis Hamilton bearing down in your mirror, sort of grinning and rubbing his hands. Um, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, you, you know, hopefully guys, they can just, just have a sort of, just, just have a bit of a quiet one. I think he just needs a summer break. I think Gasly needs a few weeks off um, where he can detach from F1, um, maybe get a contract in place next year with AlphaTauri and then look elsewhere after that, or maybe he's already looking elsewhere. Um, I'd imagine there's quite a lot of uncertainty over his future, especially given that one of the avenues that he would have been hoping for has been firmly shut. And let's be fair, it was never really going to reopen, but it's just been completely affirmed that, that 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 is not going to happen for him again, and I think that's I think that's right, and I think that's I think that's the best for him. So, yeah, you, you know, so so I, I think for Gazi, it's just it's just this race and Hungary just have two quiet races, just just get them done, get them out of the way, and then have a few weeks off. You, you know, you go to I I think he's from Rouen or, or somewhere, so or maybe Rubin, I can't quite remember. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, so, so just you know, just go back, see, see your family for a week. You know, go back to your hometown, just have a week, switch off. You know, don't use social media for a week. I did that for for a couple of months earlier in the year. Brilliant idea. Um, you know, just 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 switch off from 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 everything. It's a bit, you know, you know maybe I should practice what I preach actually, um, especially work related. But um, but yeah. He, he, Hopefully he'll sort of get that extra sort of like five ten percent boost that you seem to get at your own home race. Um, yeah, you know, I I think he needs it as much for him as he does for the team. Um, you know, he he just needs to not not uh, it's not not a case of gaining his confidence back, but he needs to perhaps take that five or ten percent off because he seems to almost be overdriving and which is causing some of these issues. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I, I want to see him have an just have a solid weekend. Basically, I, I want a weekend where where we say, oh, you know, so when we come to do the review, you know, next week, and and you turn to me and you say, oh, what about guys? And I go, oh, hang on, where was he? Are oh, we qualified P twelve and he finished P nine? That's the kind of weekend he needs. I would agree with that, and I think um, if it was posted on Instagram, Pierre Gazzi would like that. Um, but Phil, we've heard from Franz Tost that Yuki Tsunoda is likely to be driving for AlphaTauri next season as well. Uh, he's been a lot close to his teammate, sometimes too close, as we have seen them come together a few times. But Gasly does look to have been underperforming so far, as we have just mentioned. Uh, is this the right decision, do you think? Um, Yuki obviously has some raw speed, but it does still seem to need honing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, what I I said last year when he came in, he kind of reminds me of Takuma Sato. I mean, it still kind of reminds me of Takuma Sato. Um, the problem also for the the geniuses that run that organization is that they've run through so many drivers in their driver development ladder that it's almost a you're tapping out and saying, oh, we'll just stay with him because, yes, there's connections, obviously, to a point with the power unit. Yes, there is. He's only in his second year in Formula One and his second different car he's had to drive. So maybe by year three, something will come through. Um, you look at the Red Bull 
development ladder, the likes of Jay Anderuvalo struggled at times this year in Formula 2. Um, you know, Jack Crawford won in Formula 3, but he's not immediately going to be ready. There are, of course, numerous other drivers that have connections to Red Bull. So, uh, but they're, none of them are really sitting there, you know, standing out that they could be ready for a ride. They have to stick with him, but then they're going to take the good and the bad with him. Uh, the good is he raw pace, but the bad is he's going to clatter into Pierre Gasly, or he's going to crash into somebody else, or he's going to crash himself, or he's going to, you know, that they don't have a good car. Uh, their car is really bad this year. So the notion that you're going to be running into other people on top of it, that's just a double whammy of, of, of suck, and you can't have that. So finish the race, don't hit anybody, get data, get through this period, get through these next two races and take a nice break and see where things lie, you know, post uh, summer break and uh, maybe start getting ready for 2023 because there isn't a whole lot that's going to come out of this for AlphaTauri this year. Um, and knowing that likely it's a make or break scenario for him, he needs to start working in that sense and drive with a, uh, a maturity and a tenacity necessary of a driver that wants to stay in Formula One. Yeah, absolutely. Owain, when Aston Martin introduced the RB spec car in Spain, uh, they talked a very big game, but the results have certainly not come their way with their best finish of the season being P6 in Baku for Vettel. Uh, just what can they do to achieve a decent finish in France, if that's even possible? Um, hope, I think. Um, no, uh, I think the biggest issue is that, you know, try as they might, uh, we've seen it for you know, two or three weekends in a row now, and it's just, it just doesn't qualify well. They can't get it to qualify well. Even thinking, you know, we've got it, we've done a good lap, put it together a good lap, you've heard better incredulous on the radio. But the fact that they've, that, you know, they, they've gone up there and they've put their all into, into qualifying performances, and there they are starting 15th and 16th. Um, they've been saved by the fact that they've, and they've been they've been moving up the field, uh, thanks to you know other drivers' misfortune, um, and yeah, there's obviously that possibility. I've talked about it a lot at this point, but um, I don't see them. I don't see that helping them. Um, you know, they've they've got 18 points um, over over the you know just over half the year so far, and it's um, and I don't see that changing. I don't see I don't see the, the I mean, you know unless they bring a big upgrade or something like that. I don't. I don't know, and um, I, I know the team itself is under uh, is under fire um, for the way it's handled um, uh, discrimination um, internally as well. So they'll be fighting that fire. I don't, I don't take you know that's got to take away from, from the efforts you can make at the factory just um, as a result. So um, you know I think they're they're really up against the wall on this one. Um, so yeah, I mean I don't. I'm not sure they can do much to turn around their season. Um, you know, every other team ahead of them, just like you know, if they plod away and get some good points, they uh, plod away. They might be able to get some good points. Um, unfortunately, I don't see that with Aston Martin. Um, that they're so far away, um, even with this change in uh, philosophy. Um, you know, unless they start to get on top of it, I mean, that's perfectly possible. If they start to get on top of it, then yeah, we can start to see 
um, then moving forwards. But right now, uh, based on the evidence we've seen, I don't see that happening. Um, and, you know, I think it could be another difficult weekend for them. Yeah, and with the budget cap as well, they can't exactly introduce a C-spec car where it's a clone of someone else. Um, at this point, it's it's too late in the season for that. Um, but Tom Williams, yet again, enduring a horrendous season. Albon has been consistently outperforming his teammate Latifi uh, and yet only has three points to show for it. Uh, what do you make of either of their chances in France? Not much, to be honest. Um it's just to be honest you know I think it's going to be another dismal weekend for them um, you know it's uh, it's yeah uh, Williams you know we had so much hope for them last year and I think I said it before that whilst they have improved because the other teams around them that they were battling with last year have improved so much they're not show, you know the progress that they have made is you know, it's perhaps not being shown as much as, uh, as um, you know, as 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 we'd think or we'd like to see. Um, the TV, I do think, is on borrowed time. I'm not going to go over that again because we've done that to death on on this on this podcast, and it's not going to help. Um, Alban, you know, you know, hopefully he's, you know, he well, so I say hopefully he appears to be all right after his scary Silverstone accident. Um, Again, that's testament to the cars as to how he was able to walk away from that. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't, I don't foresee much happening. Um, so I can't believe it's even gone into Q three and Silverstone as well. What the hell? Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, you know, there we go. Um, yeah, I, I don't see it being a good, good weekend. I think they'll be battling out with the Aston Martins um, and probably Danny Rick uh, for. For the, for the starting order for Q1. Yeah, they're definitely going to be involved in that Q1 fight, even if it is just setting the benchmark for someone to beat. Um, but that is the teams. Uh, now it's time to obviously start doing some predictions. So a top three prediction, and I'm going to start with my own just because I've got it right here. And it's bold in itself because I'm going to believe. Um, so P1, Hamilton. In, in, insert your booze in the comments right now. It's not going to happen, is it? Um, but then P2, Charles, and P3, Carlos. And let's move on to Phil. Wow, that one, uh, I'll that I'll take that. Um, but, um, yeah, as Tom booze. Uh, but um, uh, do I go with the chalk after I promoted him earlier? I guess I will. Uh, Max Verstappen gets the win over um, Charles Leclerc and uh, Lewis Hamilton finishes out the podium, though I would gladly reverse first and third. Um, that, that I would do gladly, but um, I'm going to be realistic and, you know, hedge. And Owen? Uh, I mean, it's going to be real unpopular, um, mostly with myself, uh, but... Uh, I'm going to go with Verstappen and Perez one two, and then Leclerc bringing up in third. I mean, at least yours is a bit more grounded um, than mine. Apparently, I've trouble with that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, Tom. Uh, I'm actually going to completely agree or or copy um, 
Oh, I, I think I think Red Bull will, will get a one too. Um, and, and yeah, um, Leclerc's got the measure of signs. So yeah, so I could see him coming on P3. Yeah. And then uh, obviously moving on to the bold predictions, I've already kind of gone with mine, Mercedes to win the race. Uh, Phil, your bold prediction, please. Bold prediction is Haas uh, mean Mick Schumacher and Haas get far in a Q3 and he gets a top five. In qualifying or in the race? Top five in the race. He'll get in the top. He'll be in Q3 and he'll finish fifth in the race. Well, it'll be an improvement on his results from last week, which was P6. Uh, Owen, your bold prediction, please. Um, I'm going to go with fourth for Ocon in the race. There we go. A decent home race for Ocon, you're expecting then? Or at least... I think a bad race for everyone else. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we have talked a lot about other drivers' misfortunes. Tom, your bold prediction, please. Uh, mm. Danny Rick finishes ahead of London Norris. We said bold, not impossible. Well, yeah, well, you know, I thought, yeah. it's a sad state of affairs when, when when we think that's a bold prediction. It is a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, those are our predictions. Make sure that you leave your predictions in the YouTube comments below. Um, and now it's an opportunity to provide our panelists and just a chance to promote themselves. So, Owain, you write. What are your socials? Where can people find the stuff you do? Oh, I don't think it's worth saying my socials. <laughs> I very rarely, very rarely use Twitter unless you want to see retweets about, I don't know, esports. Um, <laughs> if you do want you to are, see that, you are aware you're talking to an F1 podcast audience, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm aware of that. I don't, I don't watch Formula One esports, to be honest. Um, I don't want to see people be better at the game than me. What do you, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? One minute lapse in Austria with no assists. Um, no, uh, but if you want to see that, that's uh, at Owen Medford, uh, all one word on Twitter. Um, and uh, and every so often I do, I do write an article on sportlightpro.com, which has changed. Uh, so they'll probably be on the Chronicle from now on uh, if they are there. But um, unfortunately, life gets in the way a lot of the time. Um, but there we go. That's, that's where you'll find me. Yeah, keeping it in-house with F1 Chronicle. Tom, you're from Everything F1. Give us that pitch that we always love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you can find us across all our socials at Join EF1. So that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, I think that's all of them. Um, all of this, I think those are the four main media outlets. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, Everything F1. Uh, we have our website, everythingf1.com, where we do quality, quality reviews, race reviews, um, articles, musings uh, about all things F1, F2, F3, W Series, uh, IndyCar, and Formula E. And then last, but by absolutely no means least, we have our Everything F1 podcast, which is available on all your favourite podcasting platforms. I'm not going to list them because I can't even function today. Um, but that... That's recorded on a Tuesday. Usually goes out on a Wednesday, maybe a Thursday, depending on you know, depending on, on availability. 
we have we have had a plethora of guests. Uh, we've got some more coming up. Um, guests, you know, various W Series drivers. We've had Callum Eilots. Uh, we've had Ed Straw on a few times. Lawrence Barreto. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's good fun. And like I said, you can find it anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, and there's no need to list it because I'll obviously be listing where the Grip Talk is available in a minute. But first, we've got to get through Phil uh, from the Grip Strip podcast. Yeah, we're. You can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find my co host, Josh Huffine, at JP Huffine. Uh, he has a Twitch stream for uh, iRacing at you, Sailor 2. Our show, the Grip Strip Podcast, is at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. And we have a YouTube page, a Grip Strip Podcast YouTube page, where you can find us uh, and watch our show. Otherwise, um, anywhere you can find a podcast, generally you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. We cover all things motorsports or things that generally get coverage here. Um, we try to talk about at some point during the Grip Strip Podcast. So uh, with that, um, thanks, Ruby, for hosting and Great as always to be on with uh, Tom and Owen and everybody and the great work y'all do. So um, hit all uh, hit everybody up. Uh, great group we have over here, passionate uh, fans, and um, we're and on top of it, we're actually able to be nice to each other, even if we don't like somebody else's driver. It shows how adults are supposed to act, um, unlike a lot of society. Here, here. Um, and uh, I, if you want to hear more from me, I also host Fresh from the Scene, a music podcast speaking to guests from Sean Smith to Frank Turner to um, other bands, usually based around the West Yorkshire music scene, but also artists that travel through West Yorkshire um, and Manchester for that part. Um, but if you want to also find me on the socials, it's generally at Rubes, R U U B E Z or sticker 001 on Instagram. But Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live. We also tend to do a bit of a post show afterwards where we can answer your questions in the chat, um, as well as also being available on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for your back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on f1chronicle.com forward slash store. And also make sure you subscribe to the first know when each new episode is released every single week. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>